Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I am flying solo today because Deborah's got first world problems with her Wi-Fi and Antonio's still on holiday. But I'm delighted to be joined by Heather Neff, who is the founder of Equivalent Design. So Heather, great to have you with us. And I'm really excited to geek out with you about the topic we're going to talk about today, which is accessible SVG, scalable vector graphics. Um, but first off, let's talk a bit about you, your background, and how you came to be working in the field. Great. Well, thank you. For, and first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on. This is such an honor to be on Access Chat. So a little bit about me. I am the founder of Equivalent Design, but how I got here is an interesting story. So I've been a web designer since 2000 and was a graphics expert for a long time doing graphic design. Then I moved into creative direction, marketing direction, and then I became a user experience designer and user interface designer for quite some time. And then about eight years ago, I tore a ligament in my upper chest here, which connects to my right arm. And that became a very painful motor disability, which as a graphic designer and as an artist was really difficult to lose my right arm, as you can imagine. So I've been, then I started looking for assistive technologies to do hands-free mousing. I turned into a voice control user. But when I looked for all this assistive technology, it led me to realize there's a whole community of accessibility out there, which as someone who also had an eye disease and then had cataract surgery that went wrong, I'm now a low vision user as well. So I became very passionate about accessibility and joined the community. And I noticed when I was in there that there wasn't a lot of great um, graphic design being created that was very accessible. And as I researched more and more about accessible graphic design, I really realized that there's a need for people to teach it and to share it and to educate people about how to make the design itself accessible. And that's where I started um, changing my own uh, branding agency into an accessible graphic design firm. And I was studying for my CPAC certification and I was in a uh, course for that over at DK University. And when I was having a hard time that day logging in, my, my arm was really painful. So I chatted in, hey, I'm disabled, can you help me? And of course they helped me log in, but they also said, since you're disabled, you can get the entire DQ University for free. So the next time I was able to log in, there was all these courses there. And as a branding person who did a lot of logo designs over the last 22 years, I noticed there's a course called Images, SVG, and Canvas. And I was like, ooh, SVG. And so I've used those many years for logos in, you know, online, but I didn't know how accessible they could be. So after reading this course, I was like, oh my goodness, they are so interesting that they're code and so forth. And I knew that we could do some things with them, but not as much as we can do now. So I actually took my husband who is our CTO and the staff that I had at my design agency and we decided to start a company around the, these intelligent, smart SVGs. And that was something that was a super passionate project of mine. So we've been working on you know, new novel ways of doing this accessible design stuff. So, Excellent. So, I, I mean, I, I, I'm really interested in you know, some of the things you just mentioned. So um, there is a perception that accessibility has to or does equal ugly uh, and that that you you have always a trade-off between beautiful design and inclusive design and, and, and that's not true but yep. there is a certain grain of truth in 
that in the and, and people get led to that because I think that when people do stuff that's accessible, they don't necessarily think about the design. And when designers are thinking about how stuff looks, they're not thinking about how to include people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's rare to find someone um, that that does both. Uh, and I'm I'm always interested in in the people that do both because that's where the the, the gold is, if you like. So. Um, you know, you look at the W3C's website, it's ugly. You know, it's accessible, but it's it's not something that's pleasant to look at. And and also, as someone that is dyslexic and ADHD, actually, the sea of text is pretty inaccessible for me. It's technically accessible in that it will interact with screen readers and that I could, you know, uh, navigate via keyboard and all of these kind of things. But in terms of me actually processing the information i would much prefer nice infographics mm -hmm. yep. so so svg uh, and the fact that you can make images accessible and embed lots of information in those images is a is a really important tool for us bridging that divide between stuff that is innately accessible and stuff that is also um nice to look at and right. and well-designed and well-resolved. So like said, I think it's a super topic. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, people think it's boring and ugly. And sometimes it is. And that's an unfortunate misnomer that people think that. Right now, because we've been able to uh, take this technology, it really opens up the ability to have beautiful, well-branded websites that are actually way superior in accessibility. So to kind of back up what we're talking about, most images or PNGs and JPEGs are pixel-based or rasterized images, and those are very, you know, used everywhere on the on the internet. And there's a situation where a lot of people don't even add an alternative text or an alt text to an image, so that low vision users can't even tell what's inside the image, and that's kind of a big issue online. One of the things that we're doing is that because we're using what's ve vector artwork, which is math-based. XML code, it actually can scale beautiful, hence the scalable vector graphics, right? So unlike a pixeled image, when you blow it up, that becomes super blurry, these graphics will stay crisp and clean and look beautiful on any retina device. And so that's a really huge part of the accessibility as well as just being able to blow it up and zoom in and magnify the content. Um, but these graphics are so cool that they do all kinds of different types of magic. So I could go on and on about how there's a million different things we can do with them. Because it's code, we can animate them. They're interactive. We can make sure they respond to media queries, which are the OS settings where people can choose personalized accessibility settings. And these graphics will respond beautifully to something like dark mode or the personalized color choices by a user that is you know, choosing colors that they want to see the background and foreground color. It is a WCAG or WCAG pliancy 1.4.8 to allow the user to surf as they want to in dark mode or to choose the colors they want to choose. And it's actually a really important part of accessibility too, to give that dark mode for low vision users and people with photophobia. I personally have, you know, photophobia as myself. So I really understand what it's like that most of the internet is quite white and bright and it can be very you know, jarring on the eyes. And so it's actually one of the biggest barriers we're finding right now with our technology is that most organizations don't offer up a dark theme on their website. And that's something that I highly encourage people to realize how important that is for the user experience, especially around low vision users and people who really are affected by bright websites that are, you know, physically in pain from them. So it's it's actually quite an interesting topic to get into 
all the different things we can do around um, just dark themes alone and how that can play into it. But these graphics look amazing with those color choices as well. So it's it's a really cool thing for them to be doing. Yeah. So lots to unpick here right? uh, for, for me. Um, firstly, I, I, I have scototic scotopic sensitivity, it's also known as Erlen syndrome. So I, I, I also, through my dyslexia and so on, find the glare of bright white on the on the internet and on computers in general tiring and painful. I mean, the first thing I do when I get a new iPhone is turn on reduce white point. Um, but at the same time, um, complete dark mode can actually be quite tough as well. So, so what you mentioned in terms of the ability for users to have their own settings and for the graphics to work with those settings is super important because it's really difficult for individual graphic designers to be able to choose a color palette that's going to work with all of those combinations. In fact, it's almost impossible. So um, if it's a fixed color, right? So, so we've, we've done quite a bit of work with this um, within my own organization because we, we went and did an eco brand and we went dark mode because it actually reduces the amount of energy that we consume for all of our PowerPoints and our websites and everything else. And you know, that's important for us to reduce our energy consumption, especially as an organization that is really focused on decarbonization. But at the same time, we were looking at color palettes and fonts and so on to make it more accessible. As part of the sort of feedback on, on that was actually we, including me, found that the dark mode was too dark and the white on the dark mode was too white. Mm -hmm. And so people were getting shimmer effects from the yep. white. Yep. Um, and, and it was actually quite painful. Mm -hmm. So next iteration, we're, we're looking at grays and, and, and subtle different um, text palettes and so on again, because you can always improve, right? There is no finished product in, in this kind of thing. But what you're talking about here would resolve some of the other problems that we have with the dark mode and the light mode because we we switch for print because obviously you don't want to print a dark mode presentation because it's going to use lakes of ink and that's really bad for the environment. So it's uh, something like an SVG would be able, especially one that is done accessibly, would be able to cope with those switches. Absolutely. Yeah. It's about the also, you know, catering to the user and letting them prefer to be in a light mode, dark mode yeah. or custom color mode. Um, one of the other things that they do do is also rearrange themselves on different screen sizes. So they mm -hmm. will adapt to a mobile, which also would then respond to whatever mode they're in on their phone. So that's a much better user experience as well. So they don't have to pinch and zoom on some something like an infographic. So we're, we're literally actually focusing on some pretty cool stuff that with the infographics as well where we're actually using selectable and keyboard navigable uh, text within the graphic, which is actually real text, which is indexable by Google, of course, but we're actually placing in semantic HTML within the graphic so that low vision users and keyboard users can actually navigate around inside the graphic, which has never you know, been very popular on the web yet because it's brand, kind of brand new to us as well. It sounds really exciting to be able to add semantic HTML inside something like an infographic, and behind the scenes, we're actually, un not, unlike an alt text, we actually have unlimited characters as well. So we can actually serve up more information as desired for a user. And we're working on having a short 
listening experience and a longer description for a user to choose if they want to listen to a graphic. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm really excited about that part because um, I'm a big fan of infographics, but I'm less of a fan of, of, of having to, you know, write the image for infographics because actually getting something like a really complex infographic right in an image description is, is incredibly hard, especially for someone that's dyslexic, right? So, yeah. so this would do it much more elegantly. It's a much better technical solution, a be better user experience. So I think this is this is really yeah. We we really we're basically sometimes I joke about we're making graphics for blind people. It's really about the low vision user experiencing things where they can magnify the content, they can be in the colors that they choose. A lot of times low vision users choose a very dark background with a very bright color so they can actually see what's going yeah. on and they get very close to the monitor. And so our graphics would actually switch into that very bright color, but still remain with the tonality. So they look really good for the, the user, even if it's magnified, even if it's in these custom colors, they look amazing in these custom colors. We're also doing something like a favicon where it would respond to the dark mode browser so your brain would show up better in the tab so that the smart SVG is being utilized by the OS system as well. And since it can be animated, we're also listening to the reduced motion uh, query as well. So in case someone has that accessibility setting there that they don't want animation, we can control that and reduce it or stop it completely to make sure that it's as accessible as possible. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, I, I turn off all of the parallax things mm -hmm. because they, they make me a bit giddy. So so being able to do that is is is, is really great. Um, I mean, I, again, the, the kind of granularity that you can add to this is really interesting because I would quite like to see you have a you have an example video with a seeing eye or guide dog right and, and you had the tail wagging and, and so on and I'd quite like to see the tail wagging on the guide dog that wouldn't make me feel sick but the sort of you know background effects of stuff moving in the background behind your text right is exactly. something I'd want to turn off instantly. Right, um, exactly. And first of all, we would never put out something that would harm anyone. So we've been studying how to create very, very uh, accessible, very, very easy, uh, you know, gradients and small changes like a loading SVG is a nice one that wouldn't harm anyone. So we also listen to the WCAG five seconds or less and also making sure that there's a play and stop button. So it's kind of like Flash where you can actually create a totally interactive graphic that is animated and doing all kinds of neat things and that you can pull in other file types because uh, an SVG is actually a document type where you can actually call in audio files and other pixeled images. And basically it's like a website within the website. So there's so many things we can do with kind of endless possibilities with this type of code. And because it's code, we can continue to do things like metadata, add keywords into the graphic. So there's all kinds of things that it's going on behind the scenes um, that we're, we're doing a lot of research and development to see how far we can push a lot of these things. No, I mean it's it. I I got excited about SVGs for for the same reasons that you you probably did. Uh, you know, at a very basic stage of you know, I'd be playing around with graphics and they would pixelate when you blow them up or you'd lose image quality over time. You know, you see lots of memes on the web and the image quality is terrible because people have screen grabbed and screen grabbed and screen grabbed and eventually you know you it's the terrible. actual the quality of the image is awful um and um I, I, sadly working in corporates i spend an awful lot of time making 
infographics and diagrams and schematics in PowerPoint. I got super excited when I found Savers SVG <laughs> because uh, suddenly I had something that, um, because the other thing is that you make these things and they have a life um, and they get pasted into your colleagues' PowerPoints and then they were doing those screen grabs or they were, you know, if you copy and paste as image, they would all start degrading and the text would become blurry and everything else. And then suddenly I found Savers SVG and, and, now it's scalable I and mean, it doesn't look like dog poop when you paste it in <laughs> yeah. the time. yeah there's no resolution it's just math so it literally is staying crisp and clear it's great for going to print so we've actually had some discussions with people who do tactile graphics and having an svg to begin with is what they're you know could use to print something of course but then we could take that and turn it into one of these very intelligent responsive svgs that have all these different accessibility features and it would solve a lot of the problems of dealing with a pixel-based image when they're going online for accessibility so we're really excited to see what kind of partnerships might happen around the idea of helping developers learn how to do this it is a technical situation where you're going into illustrator and you have to know how to put the layers in the right order so when you export it it's going to announce correctly on a screen reader and you want to make sure you're able to test thoroughly on all the different you know assistive technologies and the different types of screen reading software so it's it's a really important thing to make sure that you're paying attention to all these details because you really want to make sure that it's going to work and it's going to work across all the different browsers and also really respond to things like that re reduce motion so that people aren't having any poor experiences with the SVG. Yeah, so um, I, geeking out again, I'm getting very excited about the idea that you can work with you know, um, tactile printing and so on and have you know create tactile images from this. So you're saying that you can actually, as well as, so you essentially you can have 3D information in the SVG. So well, I think it's more like file itself that's going to print could then turn into one of these graphics. So whatever you've designed okay. in that, I don't think it's going to be doing three three dimensional things, but it does translate beautifully to a two dimensional printed object and also onto the onto the web. And you can do all kinds of stuff with within Illustrator. So you're using Adobe Illustrator, a similar vector based program to design gradients and shapes and sizes and whatever you want to do. Most people um, should be considering perhaps starting with their logo since logos usually have different lockups. So you have a horizontal logo with a tagline, and perhaps you would prefer a smaller stacked mobile on the you know mobile version of your logo or your branding. And that is something that's really quite useful is know knowing that it can resize as well to different screen sizes, different breakpoints, which is a great feature as well. So we're, we're trying to encourage people to think about moving into the most important graphics on their website, starting with their logo, then any really important infographics that are you know crucial for people to listen to and to hear and to see because these guys, these smart SVGs provide so much visibility and so much more information, it's it's actually going to be a really huge jump for people to go from a JPEG with a small alt text to something that's a you know, smart SVG that has you know, a much better description in the back end, very contextual, you know, very rich um, information so they can actually gather what's going on inside a graphic. We're also trying to make sure that they, with the semantics, they can jump past it if they don't want to hear what's going on. You know, so it is all about having that user have that amazing experience where a visual user, you know, sighted user will scroll past an infographic instantly. We want to allow a low vision user to have that same, you know, experience if they don't want to deal with the infographic. But if they want to hear and know what's going inside, they can actually have a great listening experience to what the details are inside an infographic, which is a really big deal, as you know, about getting information to the public. Yeah. Um, 
Equally, I, I mean, I, I quite often, you know, you have infographics and you want to be able to interact with parts of infographics. And at the moment, that's that's pretty complex as well. So um, sometimes, you know, you, what you want to do is is hide information until people want extra information. And so finding a way to be able to do that, I think even for, for sighted users is, is also useful because I think that if you bombard someone like me with text, I'm probably going to turn off and go and look for the next shiny thing. Um, whereas if there are sort of enough information there for me to decide what is pertinent and important, then you know I can I can filter out the, the, the signal from the noise and decide that I want to drill down further. So so I'm 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 interested in that. But what it sounds like is that at the moment you're at the stage where you've got a, a really um, solid foundation for a, a, new, a, a new sort of media approach to this, but that it's still really sort of dependent on expert, uh, expert or, or at least a level of knowledge of uh, design packages and how to utilize them and the knowledge about the impact of what it means to do these things to enable accessibility. I guess from a my point of view, what I'm I'm always keen to do is go from that expert step to to teach more people, and I think you 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 said that you you're doing some of that, and then beyond that, to how we can make this something that becomes mass deployable, right. um, so that everybody can benefit because the web is huge. Everybody's creating content all of the time. And so the more we can make this something that novice, non-expert users can do, that we can build in the expertise into systems, so we build expert systems rather than requiring an expert to use a system, the, the greater Im uh, impact it has over time. So, so I think, you know, we were, before we went on air, you said that you'd been doing some work on, on making those materials available. Yeah, so we know that it's a little bit tricky to learn all this. We spent two years of research and development reading the entire internet to figure out what's been done because SVGs have been around since the late 1990s. They are not a new format of image. It's just never really caught on to really take over. So a lot of people use SVGs already for maybe a logo on their website, but they're not being utilized to be much more intelligent and much more accessible. So because there's this education that needs to be done, I realized that a lot of people didn't know this even existed. The technology has been around, but we, you know, we took it and we also added some new ideas to it on how to do things. But because we have a very step-by-step -step process, we actually made um, first an accessible graphic design book uh, all about how to actually make a design accessible. So when you're in Illustrator, or you're in InDesign, how to start with the basics first so that you're not exporting some very complicated thing that isn't accessible into an SVG. We still want the basic design stuff to come first. That's crucial for everything to become as accessible as possible. Then we have to know how to do the step-by-step -step guide. So we did make a detailed developer's guide for organizations who are very interested in learning and taking in this into their organization so that their staff and their team can learn how to do this. They get you know links to the GitHub so they have all the different patterns for the inside the SVGs. And then we have this whole guide to teach them and we will have tech support and so forth to make sure that we can pass this knowledge on to each organization. It's actually something that's really important to me and that's why we're trying to educate everybody by going on 
onto these types of podcasts and actually spreading that I'd really like to teach this and like bring it to the world. That's one of my goals is to, you know, really start changing the digital landscape to include these accessible SVGs since I think they're so important um, for being more inclusive and they just offer a great opportunity to utilize, like you said, the dark mode, which is an average of 28, 28% energy consumption. And so many people that are in, um, you know, places that only access the internet on their phone, they're in dark mode. And these are simple things that you can actually think about doing to make that user experience much better and to be more accessible, to be honest, you know, and it's a really big deal for everybody to, you know, understand how this also can impact your SEO because their code, they load instantly, which is a big deal for load times, right? So that's, that's another accessible feature is that they don't have any resolution. So they're usually under 10 kilobytes, which is pretty exciting as well. Well, uh, and and not just in terms of load time, um, that has an impact on the environment too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I, I think that, 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 you know, we've got used to having what people call elastic compute, you know, the, the almost infinite capacity for, you know, scale and, of, and size of images and storage and all of this stuff. But there's an energy usage behind that. And, and, and um, there's a cost to the environment of all of these large files. And, and I think that whilst Moore's law has powered, you know, ever increasing processor capabilities and we've got ever increasing storage capacity, that's come at a cost to the planet. Absolutely. And so um, some of the work that we need to be doing as technologists is to look at how we can use this technology more efficiently and create much more efficient ways of delivering quality interactive experiences. So no one's saying, actually, we want you to have a really rubbish experience. We still want you to have that kind of retina display clarity or those four or 8K quality videos, but there have to be more efficient ways of uh, delivering that data so that we can stop you know, burning our planet down just for the sake of having, you know, high-def video uh, and high-def graphics. So so I think that there's, there's really, you know, some synergies between accessibility and sustainability, which is something we've, I've talked about a lot. We talk about treating exclusion like pollution. But actually, you know, there are there are linkages. And so when you write good, accessible, compliant code, it's also better for the environment. So, so we can link the two. That um, what I'd love to do more is is do the measurements on some of that stuff. Yeah, because no, I think that 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 um, I'm always keen to find the drivers that might affect change. And whilst doing the right thing um, absolutely motivates lots of people, and increasing the the top and bottom lines motivates others mm-hmm. actually lots of businesses are, are driven by their sustainability goals and their sustainability metrics so if we can demonstrate that that this impacts on uh you know their decarbonization programs and stuff like that then you've got another reason for driving adoption yeah it's not just about inclusion it's about so many other benefits of the technology. I mean, first and foremost, I think you're absolutely correct on the fact that we can save energy because it's code and you don't have any resolution. 
the only things that should stay a pixel-based image are photographs. Anything else that's vector-based, logos, icons, infographics, any type of illustrations, they should be converted into one of these intelligent, smart SVGs. This is a really important thing for people to, to adapt. I think it's going to be something that's going to be crucial going forward. Also, because of the dark mode responsive, which is a big deal to allow that user to stay in that preference or the, the custom colors that they want to stay in. And the fact that they can be animated and interactive, that can actually really enhance some of the accessibility things. If it's a something that catches someone's, you know, a sighted user's eye or something, the fact that actually makes uh, an interface more accessible. But you can actually design the entire website to have smart SVGs. So, for example, one of the things we've noticed is that when you're in what's called um, contrast themes on a PC on a desktop, it allows the user to choose these custom colors. A lot of times, if they choose a dark color for the background, like any color they want, it can wash out the text that are in a brand's logo, for example. So we, we happened to go to a brand and noticed that when we were in that, you know, it's called force colors, we're forcing the colors to be a different color, that their logo text on a PNG completely disappeared. Like you don't even see the logo. So it is really interesting to see how that can be an accessibility issue if you don't even know where you are on the website, if you happen to be a low vision user and you don't see the branding, right? So we know that this visible thing is a really important thing. In our website, all of the graphics will respond to these different settings and you can actually control what, what they look like in these settings, which is a really huge feature, is to make sure that you're really doing a really good job, like you said, not having halitation, not having extremes, but really offering up a really you know thoughtful graphic that has been made for dark mode that has been thought through. And most logos already have something like a dark mode for like t-shirts and you know dark clothing. So that's not too far away from them to adapt a dark theme on their website and to utilize some of their own branding already into this type of mode. And I think that's something that a lot of people would be interested in since we have uh, the ability to do this now. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think it's, it's really, really, fantastic work that you're doing i'm as i said super interested it's been really great geeking out with you um <laughs> can you remind us where we can find the um github and where your book's available and what the title is yeah so our company is found at www.equivalent.design and you can find us also on twitter at equivalent ux um, we are focusing on showing a demo on our homepage. We have an explainer video for those that don't really know how to explain this to somebody else. It actually walks you through what a pixel is, what vectors are, and how these graphics are really responsive to these different screen sizes and personal settings. So we actually have this great uh, explainer video on our homepage. We also have a demo showing the different types of graphics in action. So you can actually see what's going on with them, which is Pretty exciting. The demo is, is quite telling. So I really recommend people going over there and watching the demo to see what what this means and just see it in action. That's really kind of cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I watched it beforehand. I think it's great. Um, so also, where's your, what's the book called? Oh, is it available book, on your we're website? The, we're, we're about to bring that to to be published. So we're just finishing it now to, to get it published. So we're we're working on that right now. The developer's guide is something that we would package with a partnership. We also okay. offer this kind of powered by equivalent design partnership program where companies and organizations, if they don't want to figure all this out, all they have to do is send us the vector artwork and their branding, and we will work with them in collaboration to make sure that the designs are accessible. And if they need some remediation steps, we will help them figure that out with a compliance check against, of course, 
uh, the international you know, accessibility laws. And then we work with them to make sure that their media queries are gonna look the way they want them to, and to realize that the brand needs to adapt something called HSL or hue, saturation, and lightness. And that's mm-hmm. something that most companies don't already have. Um, so it is something is, is really important to make sure that companies are also adapting that dark theme, which is part of what we're trying to encourage people to do because our graphics, you could get this as a smart graphic on your website, but if you're not utilizing the dark mode, you're missing out on a huge feature for people to have a much more accessible, much better user experience. And why not add that at the same time? So that's kind of what we're working on is to allow companies to just send us the vector artwork, we convert it and we test it thoroughly and then we send it back with instructions. It's fairly easy for web developers to just put these graphics in line. They're not that complicated. You just have to make sure there's a dark theme that would respond to the the dark mode. And if you don't have that, we can make it just respond to the customized settings. So it still has that advantage over a pixel-based image because they also scale beautifully, which is a huge part of magnifying content is a big deal for people. So it is something that I think no matter what you're doing, you should try to convert all of your vector-based uh, artwork into this type of format. Yeah, I'm, I'm converted. So um, thank you so much, Heather. It's been really great learning about this stuff. I am excited to find out yet more. Um, it'd be great to have you uh, engage on the Twitter chat. I'm really looking forward to that. Just need to thank my clear text for keeping us captioned and online and also to mention a thank you to all of the people so far that have contributed to our crowdfunder to keep us on air we we've we're doing nicely um and that's down to the community and so thank you everyone thank you everybody